It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstom. We're recording today at the Buona in Skokie. Been here before. I'll come back here again. I love the Buona in Skokie, 3754 West Huey Avenue. In Skokie, I'm James Van Ostel. It is Carcone Carne. Speaking of Buona, where I am, which I was, Buona has turned your favorite plant-based Italian beefless sandwich into a bowl, complete with sweet peppers, their new vegan cheese. You can enjoy comforts by the bowlful this winter and cozy up with this twist on a classic today. I had it last week uh, when I recorded with Urge Overkill. So good. It is so good. If, Holy if you, smokes, you with the Urge Boys? I was with uh, Eddie King Roser. Oh, I like right here. Eddie. Uh-huh. Eddie, yell at him. That's a double door story. We'll get to you guys. Bona. <laughs> Sorry. If, you, if you're hungry, you want to get maybe Bona's classic Italian beef, maybe a combo, maybe their beef and jardinera pizza, which is really good, use my promo code, CARNE10, C-A-R-N-E-10, to get 10% off your online or mobile order. Bona is where we are. And speaking of our guest, which I was about to, got a little head start there, in a city that is arguably overpacked with live music venues and in fact more seem to be lining up by the day there are a few whose names rise above the list double door is one of them the venue opened in wicker park in 1994 and quickly became one of chicago's most essential live rooms period it played host to bands big and small how big rolling stones how small double door was dedicated to chicago's independent music scene from the beginning big and small can we use fat nut as a small band yeah, we can use Fat Nut. It's a great name. <laughs> it is, it's, a, it's an ethos, too. Uh, big and small. Really good drama. Double Door has been there. Double Door disappeared from the map in 2017. It was evicted from its Wicker Park location. The story, like any good massage, has a happy ending. Double Door is coming back. The new location is a stunning, classic old Chicago building in Uptown. And its owners... Theater. Theater. Are here today to talk about rebuilding a building and rebuilding a brand. It is Sean Mulroney. Hey and Pete Bruce, hey, my everybody. guests, the owners hey, of Double Door. Here we are. We're recording on just a brutally cold January night. And here's a sign of the times. I, I, I felt like I felt like a hall monitor. Uh, I, I made I handed you guys COVID tests before you could get in the car. We had a cooling off period before we could come together. You know the uh, it's you know it's always a great thing to get tested. But you know the downside of it for you now. Is that now, because you made me stick that swab up my nose, I can only refer to you as James Van Nostril. <laughs> I, I've got to be honest, Pete Bruce of Double Door. That may be Sorry. the first time I've ever heard that Heard that one. Uh, no joke. <laughs> Leave it to me, man. James Van Asshole, heard that one. Oh, Van Nostril. How is Not, that possible? I, you're, you're a trendsetter. You're... <laughs> All right, so we're at Buona in Skokie. I... I the second Sean Mulroney walked in the car, I just handed him a bag of hot, delightfully fragrant, fragrant sandwiches. Uh, Pete Bruce in the back, you got the combo. Bona beef. With hot chardonnay on the side. So we're going to get that to exactly. you. I got the, I got Lightly the combo. dipped. I got the combo with the chardonnay on it. Oh, well, because that's guys, what that's what tough guys do in Chicago. We um, put the Jardinera on. We don't disappear. Yeah, but what you don't know is you get more, oh, and then it's and not spilling out on the thing. You can put it in there. Cheese fries. There you oh, go, Pete. Cheese fries. Are those all the fries, though? 
I got fries for both of us too. Yeah. I think you just hand oh, are all the fries this in there, all the sandwiches feels like here. Too yeah. many fries. And okay. If you that's that's what it cheese is. Cheese fries. This is always the most challenging part of Kirkland Carney. The cheese because. All right. Let's see what they got here. There is no clue as to what's on that one. Now you got actually yours should be bigger than both of ours. I went for two two sets of fries in there. So we, we can go by size here. Those look like those are probably both That's the what combos. she said. Uh-huh. Okay, oh, these mine. are... Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I think the only <laughs> way... Th- I, this is really entertaining for you, car. those that are tuning in on this. Or either that or James will just blip me out. Um, oh, no, I, I don't like editing. No editing? This is this is Verite, dude. This uh, is live to tape. Oh, live. Verite. Is that French? God bless you. Here, <laughs> open that up and see if it's what you ordered. Let's see what's is it lightly dipped? I think that they're you, all they're all. Dipped. Did you have a combo yeah. also? Mm-hmm. I did. Okay, so one is with peppers, one is without. So you can feel by the by the weight I'm probably. You your price. All right, here uh, this one feels heavier than I this one. I have a cheese fry in my hand. Let's that one. Yeah, you just got the straight up beef. That's the big one. That's that's mm-hmm. over here. See, look at that. Oh yeah, that's definitely yours. Big one. So now it just comes down to who has the jardinera on and who yeah. doesn't. Yeah. So, Pete, I'll let you, well, let's, James will let us know yeah. what's going on here. I'll take a big bite out of it and then tell you what it is. This is Pete's. Okay. Bone of beef. Bone right. beef. So you need the jardinera. That was Melissa number one, who I got there from. You oh, got, yeah, this is definitely mine. Okay. Do you have the jardinera back there, Pete? Uh, Side of jardinera? I don't know. You knew? I'm, I'm only working as fast as one can. Take your time. Here's what the combo looks like with jardinera, as best as I can hold it up. This is a work of art. This is a beautiful thing. I like the boy of beef. Oh my god! It's you know, so Aldi, good. you can get it frozen. You can. They 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 have it packaged at Aldi, which is delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's nothing like coming here, getting it with the the French roll, all mm. au juicy, oh. and the the jardinera. Uh, I love it. Those of us who have been in Chicago for more than a minute are familiar with Double Door, with its original location. For those who maybe are new to Chicago. I mean, it's been almost five years, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, what was Double Door in Wicker Park, and what is it going to be? Well, Double Door in Wicker Park's, it was a... Uh, I tell this story, and it gets better every time I like to tell myself. Well, I can't wait for this, then. So, what happened is I... I'll open a little bar in the Ukrainian village at Damon and Thomas called Sweet Alice. And uh, oh yeah, we wanted to take over the other side of the property and open a little music room. But Is that we were with Joe Hathaway. Yeah, but uh, Jim Lasky, Joe Hathaway, and Rich Jim Kiewit. Lasky too. Yeah, Dim Jim. I'm oh, wait, I'm not going to do that. I grew up with him. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> Any rate, we wanted to do live music there, and it just didn't. The the property didn't allow it. We got we tried it, and we kept getting shut down because the neighbors upstairs complained. So we had the opportunity to. to take the Main Street's pub and Double Or Liquors in Wicker Park. An old guy named Harry Strauss owned it. And me and my cousin sat and drank shitty beer with Harry Strauss for about eight weeks straight. He made us pay for every beer, including the ones he drank. <laughs> and at the end of the day, he said, all these people came in and all these big shots, they want, to, they want this building. He's like, but I like you guys because you pay for your beer. So that was I the just, secret, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a funny place. It had a, it had a right angle pool table and one up in the front and some tanning beds and then it was the liquor store and the back was an old tavern with a stage on the Damon side that had wagon wheels wow. it was a country and western bar get out I swear Whoa. to god it was uh 
they called it in the the police the local police call it the bucket of blood it was an outlaw hangout i had no idea i had no idea the double door location that we all know that was a that was an outlaw hangout Mm -hmm. yeah i love these stories wow so we the other thing was kind of funny is that the building that doubled her in was an old SRO. For those of you that aren't familiar, that's a single room occupancy, rooms by the week, so to speak. It's more of a one-star hotel. I don't think stars are appropriate. <laughs> but at any rate, the uh, <laughs> the funny thing is it was, it was empty and been gutted. Wicker Park back in those days, which has been 93, wasn't really a very nice place. There was celebratory gunfire on the weekends and hookers on North Avenue around the corner. They were using the upstairs of the empty building as a place to consummate the deal that they struck on the lower levels. So Wait, so it was a bordello? No, it was just empty rooms that the hookers used. Wow, okay. So all the trades guys would, uh, you know, when they'd get off work at the 3 o'clock bell, they'd head over to get some, they would drink at the Main Street's pub and... They would get some hookers and go upstairs, and they come back down. Next guy go up. So the the working girls were in the neighborhood, um, which was you know was good for some of our workers while we were building out. But ultimately, the reason the guy sold the business to us was to use the money to build out the upstairs and turn it into rental apartments. Mm-hmm. All right, we did it. We built it out with just a bunch of buddies. Um, I literally tiled the bathrooms and painted the walls myself. A task that. Pete would relish and I would never like to do again. I was going to say prove it. Prove it. Oh, I can cut tile. I know how to use <laughs> a good it. grout. Let's start out with hammering a nail. Oh, it's, that, you know, <laughs> hammering is one of the things I do really well if you'd like to ask around. Let's, not, let's keep it PG. Any rate, the, uh, we, we, we kicked off with Lloyd Cole the first several nights. I love nights. Lloyd Cole, by the I way. I do, too, and he's such a nice guy, except he was bitching about the air conditioning. <laughs> Because there wasn't any. It was hot as hell in there. And then we had, I think we had G-Love, Smashing Pumpkins. It was a nice first month to roll out a really great, great music. And we just and never looked back. this was 1994. 1994 in uh, June, I believe. Now, I mean, the time, I mean, timing is everything, in everything. The timing of opening up that room in Chicago that year, I mean, you, you dropped it right at ground zero of everything that was going on culturally. Mm-hmm. Were you a visionary or was it just happy accident? I've been a happy accident guy my whole life. <laughs> anyway, we rolled out. Didn't really know what we were doing. It just felt magical because the room looked old and crummy but sounded great. I love that room. We got great bands because having played in bands and done bad band tours, I realized that you had to have three dressing rooms so everybody, nobody would, the bands wouldn't steal beer from each other. Nothing worse than being the opening band and coming back to your dressing room <laughs> and having nothing gone. Or the headliner and definitely nothing Oh, left. yeah. So by putting a few extra dressing rooms in and have good sound lights and production, you know, we got on the map and we never looked back. It was a, a magical place for me. And since we've been closed, I found out a magical place, place for a lot of other people. A magical place for all of us. I, yeah. I mentioned the, the size, the extraordinary bigness of some of the artists. Just as magical as the parking lot of Buena. Uh, Bona and Skokie, there's uh, there was something special to this on a um, cold January. Rolling Stones played Double Door. They did. Kanye played Double Door. Pumpkins did some of their most legendary shows at Double Door. Again, bands big and small rolled through there. It was it was a moment, and I do think that Double Door as an anchor in Wicker Park 
I mean, I, I know you can't take credit for this or full credit for this. I, I think it really helped transform that area. Oh, I take credit for it. Full on. Completely. Back when we moved in, there was um, Northside. There was, um, what preceded Red Dog, Us, and uh, virtually nothing else. The Friars, The Grill, so, uh, The Busy Bee with Sophie's Place. There was nothing over there. So what we did was have June Holden and his security crew sweep up both sides of the building before and after and have, we were open six and seven nights a week. So just by the presence of having people discouraged, you know, the street walkers and uh, the local rummies. The only thing we couldn't get rid of were the gutter punks who I think were all rich kids who sat there smelling badly and trying to panhandle for fun. Everybody else was sort of got went further west or south or something. They were all very stylish and just dirty. hair, nice tans, right? I, I mentioned that Double Door is re-emerging in Uptown and that there are so many venues in Chicago and it seems like more keep popping up. Was it more or less competitive when you opened than it is now? Um, I'd like to say less then, but if you think back, there was Batteries Not Included and Bedrock and um, uh, lounge acts. Oh yeah. And uh, was Avalon the well, Avalon? There were so many good rooms that were sort of smaller in size, but big in stature. Like great, great rooms. Orphans. Um, it, it, the city had great music rooms, and there was what there was was a lack of rooms in the. Most of those rooms were in the 150, 200 size. Mm-hmm. There was, and then Avalon was probably maybe 400 with the most dangerous stair- load-in, load-out of any band that any band could do. Well, and I, thought, that, I thought Thurston's was the most dangerous, or that was just the most dangerous for customers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, there was uh, Voodoo Beef Bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Elbow Room. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of rooms. They were just smaller, and you'd go from that little size. Your next step was Metro 1100. I saw so, a rat at the Elbow Room. They did a two-shows-in-a-day deal, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I don't believe Rat that. played Double Door. It was phenomenal. Did they really? They had, oh, yeah. They were great. They had John Karabi playing guitar, and they had the Tracy Guns. Oh, Wait, yeah. No, not Tracy Guns. I'm sorry. They had Jizzy Pearl from <laughs> Love Hate yeah. singing. See, I, I think I got to Rat late, late, too late in life. I saw them open for, oh, God, who was it? I saw them at uh, the venue on the lakefront, the what is now Huntington Bank Pavilion. I saw them open, I want to say, for maybe the Scorpions. And they were really? terrible. That yeah, was like five years ago. Nah, I, yeah. I came to them a little too late. Yeah, it's kind of hard yeah. to, it's hard to, you know, rock that hard when you're doing your head banger and some of your hair's flying out of your mm-hmm. head. The plugs are spitting out or the wig slips. But I don't know. Those, I mean, that that era of music definitely. You had to be a player to be in those bands. Mm-hmm. You let the drummers were incredible. Had to be and the guitar players, all the hammer on stuff. You know, it, it, you know there were no bar. They didn't live and die on bar chords. Right. So you talked about venue sizes. You mentioned, you know, Metro on one end, everyone else on the other end. Double Door was 500, 550? Six, 600 and change. Uh-huh. I have to say. I was there it. a few nights when I felt the 600 and change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Jones Band, some of those bands were like, they ran the door themselves and we're looking like, they're in the back door, they're just. 20 bucks a head taken they must have made they made a gazillion dollars and we were like holy smokes you guys 
They're entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They're business people. You got to support their business acumen. Where's that hippie vibe? <laughs> right, where everyone shares and benefits from, yeah. from the, the creative and artistic performance. <laughs> So Double Door went away in 2017. The, the legal battles are well documented. And frankly, at this point, I don't think they're as interesting as the fact that Double Door is reemerging. You got this building, this old theater in Uptown. It's at the corner of Wilson and Broadway. It's gorgeous. I, I can't, When I first walked in there, guys, I can't believe that no one else had grabbed this before you. Yeah, me either. just sat dormant. It wasn't really available, though. It was empty for 15 years. Yeah, but, but Cedar not... guys owned it, and they didn't. They weren't selling it because they were going to develop it. But then one of the poor guys passed away. One of the partners, founding partners, and these guys wanted. You know, they couldn't tear it down because you know public opinion would hammer them, right? Because mm-hmm. the building. When was it built? 19... 1909. As a you know, it was the first theater up. In the uptown area, I think. Right. It was called the Wilson Theater, and you know it opened. It was a burlesque house. Right. It was vaudeville. vaudeville There's some of the historic pictures. You know, you see this big sign that says vaudeville in front of it, and it's really cool. Um, and you know, like the uptown, that wasn't built until the later 20s, mid to late 20s, and the Riviera and the Aragon. You know, so that was there way before. It didn't survive as a theater, but you know, it's still. With the bank taking over, it has that true theater feel. And Sean and I decided a few days ago that we think we're going to call it the Double Door Theater. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're in the theater district. We're the first theater. It was known as the Wilson Theater when it was built. And uh, nobody's even heard of that because that died in like two years later. So the Double Door Theater seems very appropriate. Well, the Double Door name itself came from the fact that we had a 17-foot neon sign out front that said Double Door in little letters on top and liquors. It was the Double Door liquor and that, store. And that sign is iconic. It is. Put up there in 1974. So we, we'll we get that cleaned up and hung back up. They, uh, That'll go on Wilson Avenue? Yep. Um, it will. It and will. So, but there was this argument between the partners, Joe Shanahan, Andy Barrett, and myself about what should we call it. And we had they were we were throwing these names around. What do you call a new music venue sort of thing? And we were just kind of standing out front. We all looked up to, like we're just going to call it Double Door. Mm-hmm. We have the sign, and uh, why not? It has two doors. You can get it on either side, and that was it. What were some of the other names that you were thinking about? No, oh, you know I can't recall, Pete. That was you know I've uh, I don't have the retention mentally I did 30 years ago. So. 30 years ago, my God. It'll come uh, to you. Can we take a quick pause and talk about how good these sandwiches are? Oh, my goodness gracious. I had the big one, and I, I, I beat you guys. Well, I, if, if, when you eat an Italian beef, especially if it's dipped, it's a race. There's no time to set it down, look at it, think. You've got to eat it while you still have yes. bun, bun integrity. You, You're right. Because yeah. that, that bread, that's a ticking time bomb. You have to make sure you the, the sandwich holds and the time you have to eat it. So I get it. Like, that 10-inch didn't have a chance. Nope, and I'm... I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, was I thought this was to... all a ploy by giving me this food to just shut me up. I was like, are these guys really eating up there? But I didn't even look because I just ate. I've just been eating the whole time. It's so good. But you've been chiming in, and you've been you've been adding appropriate comments. With my comments. mouth probably half full, and you don't understand Sean, it's kind saying. of a new Pete I think Bruce. this is a ploy by you guys. Well, he's, he's well-behaved? What? Yeah. <laughs> just good time. Is the secret just feeding him? What did I say to you today, Sean? Sean's trying to explain to me what we're going to do. He's going on and on. Yeah, he gets in his car, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, 
Sean, did you say there's free food? <laughs> did I not say this to you today? <laughs> yes, you You're did. Like, there's free food. I'm like, that's all you have to say. <laughs> that's my lure. It is. His that's, friends call him Scrapper because they'll eat anything left. They, that's, that's how I get strangers into the car. I'm like, hey, would you like a free dinner? <laughs> Come on in my cheese my, fry. My, my car's nice and warm. Boy, I, they give the, you just enough cheese to get through these fries, barely. Oh, it's a science. It's a science. So the new thing that I just learned, that we all just learned, is this possibility for the Double Door Theater. I mean, it, did you say it? Is that is that official? Is that what I it's think what? so. I'm going to say it's official, right, Sean? Well, I, I'm mulling it over, but I'm I'm not uh, disagreeing. Did you with say you're mulling it over? That's what I do. That's, Pete. What, that's what everyone does. Jesus, shut! No, I'm. I gotta go. <laughs> let me out of this no, rat trap. Sure. Wait, wait. Want... You, the commitment, the getting the free food. You have Dude, to. You have to wait till the end. It's the double door theater. Right. That, that's you the love catch. it. I love it. I well, think it's kind of a, it, you know. It, I think it's sort of. Fits the it's double door. It's incredible, dude. But it was double door, double door, or the double door. It was always just kind of like double door. It just was. Now it's a theater. But we bought a theater. Well, right. I, and I think yeah. that allows you to do more with it. I think it changes the scope of what that brand is. It means you could do things that aren't rock and roll. You could do comedy shows. You could do. Well, we weddings. tried. We tried that. Back when we opened Double Door. We worked with the. Oh. I think it was the Laugh Factory or one of the one of those comedy clubs. And they did a, an, a series once a week with a new episode of Lady Liverface. And they literally had a piece of raw liver attached to the face of this guy dressed up as a princess. And the story is essentially that she that the father couldn't find a suitor for the liver face girl. And that was the that was the comedy. It was absolutely hysterical. Kind of a very Monty Python type of very, thing. Very yeah. Chicago. Too. Lady Liverface. It had a run of about four weeks, and I think the guy didn't like having liver on his face, and he quit. I but, get it. Four uh, weeks seems like a appropriate run. For yeah, yeah. For those four evenings, and it was fun. It was a it was a blast. It was not the worst thing we ever booked. As an interviewer, I have to ask you an obvious question that you're not going to be able to answer, but I have to put the question up front. I'll fake it. When will the new place open? We're shooting. It, it's a moving target. This COVID reinsurgence definitely creates a Tell hiccup. Tell them what we're shooting for. We want to be open on Halloween. Yes. <laughs> and you know what idea I had the other day? And maybe you guys can help. We need to get ministry to play their pre-1990 music. Just, you know, work for love, Halloween I mean, you know Al. Somebody knows Al, right? I do not know Al. Well, I will go find him. He's been to my house once back in the day. Yeah. I don't know what that says about him. I'm pretty sure I know what it says about you. <laughs> Those are two of the greatest songs ever. Pete's greatest song ever list is really long. It is. I've it, learned it, that. Yeah, you've, of course. You've lived it for the last yeah, but 10 Halloween weeks. Halloween and work for love. I mean, those are just anthems for... Let's talk about Halloween, because that is part of the Double Door brand, the Halloween shows. Halloween shows start... It, this is kind of a fun story. There there was, was until, I think, about five or six years ago, about the same time we went down in Wicker Park, on the corner of 3rd at St. Mark's was a, a rock club called The Continental. And The Continental actually was there... Bef- it was called The Continental Divide originally. It was there before CBGB's, and it's about seven, six or seven blocks apart Coney Island High, Jesse Mallon's place was yeah. right around the corner. So it was this, you know, this 
it's really it's in St. Mark's. There were these three amazing small rock clubs that that literally I think changed music in in New York. It was sort of punk clubs. So my wow. friend Trigger owned that, and he called me one day and he's like, "I'm doing this because we talked about shows. We a lot of the bands would go to him and they would come here, vice versa. Tons of Chicago bands were, would head to New York, and I would call up Trigger and say this band's really good. Um, talk about punk rock clubs though. They had the the kick drum mic was bolted to the floor. So you had to put your kick drum in a particular place regardless of where you normally did. And the reason was that because people could reach just enough during the set change to steal the microphone in New York. So he bolted all of the, anything you could take and put in your pocket was bolted. And he called me and he said, I'm, I just did this thing with a couple of bands. I think it was uh, Degeneration was one of the bands mm -hmm. too, with Jesse Mountain's band, amazing, amazing band. And a couple others, I know Murphy's Law was there all the time. Matter of fact, Iggy Pop played there, the Ramones played there. He had the kind of New York, we kind of thought of ourselves as similar clubs. He said, some of my best local bands, they come in and they just pretend to be another band. And we'll just do it and it's getting crazy. People love it. Whoever it is, they pick a band, they just do that band for the night. So I was thinking like, well, that's cool, but what if you did like 10 cool. of them on Halloween? Yeah. So I started doing Halloween. I called him like, dude, it's, I only do it once a year, but it's sick. So he started doing that too. And that's how that, that began. And uh, uh, that, that was a great, great club. But the problem is in Manhattan is that then all the music started going out into Brooklyn because all the kids were living out there and that none of them had cars. You couldn't get your gear into Manhattan right. and you right. couldn't put on a train. So it really was like the music scene of New York City died in Manhattan because of, you know, pricing out the, the kids that could live there. Makes sense. Yeah, it was sort of a shame. It was one of those great, great clubs. Hey, hey uh, not to give away anything, but, you know, it, it occurs to me that, remember that uh, that benefit show for uh, JB, JBTV at Metro? Yeah, I DJed that. You did? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and all those bands played everybody else's songs, and it was just incredible. That was fun. Yeah, they all did, uh, it was 80s or 90s. 90s covers. Yeah. Local H played some of their songs because, you know. Yeah, of course. I actually was on JBTV probably back in the late 80s, early 90s, and we were on the show with Matthew Sweet when his first record was out. Oh, far out. How about That's that? That's pretty cool. How about that? I love but that. But sing on the Halloween tip. I've, I've been to those shows as a fan. I was on stage for one of them. It must have been one of the last couple. It was. Uh, you emceed it, right? No, 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 no. Um, Bicycle Tricycle, Bob Blair's band. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did Meatloaf. Yep, totally. Who could do Meatloaf better than Bob Blair? He was magnificent. Unbelievable. So yep. th this is something that will haunt me till the day I die, Sean and Pete. Um, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, they had me come on to do the, the announcer part, the play-by-play. Oh, play. yeah, 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 that's right. I remember Paradise. that. I couldn't read it quick enough. I couldn't keep up like like they do on Bed Out of Hell. And they did the stop right there dun, 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 yeah. before I finished. And I, I walked off the stage in disgrace. That's my, my lasting sad Halloween story at Double Door. Well, it's it's, it's going to haunt me wow. that I couldn't talk fast enough on that mic. Bob, he's apologizing right now. I apologize afterwards. Then, then in hindsight... <laughs> Nobody I, noticed. I'm driving home. I'm like, they could have extended the, the music. Could have helped, helped a brother out. Yeah. They could have kept the, those riffs going for a, another minute so I, I could Well, that's the climax. thing. Is when you do those shows, I did one as Alice Cooper and one as the Eagles. And with the Eagles, it was uh, Jay O'Rourke was stepped up to play. Jesus. What a great guitar player. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. So he did that with Neil St. Cyr, who was in Nash Cato's band. Mm -hmm. And in, uh, oh, he's been in so many bands. Now living in Germany. Um, but... Uh, 
interesting story. I met Neil St. Cyr because I was good friends with Nash Cato for a long time uh, when he was here in town. And he called me up one day and he said, Sean, can you, for his band, uh, uh, the Na- Nash Cato's band, which was on Stone Gossard's yep. label, and uh, they were touring it when it came out. And he said, we need to have you... Um, we need to have you play bass for. We're opening up for the Smithereens in Nashville and like three other South Southern because their bass their bass player had a wedding or something family event. So I go, that's cool. When do we get rehearsed? We don't. We're just going to swing down and pick you up, and we're going to go <laughs> down there. And it was. Uh, it, I literally were driving the van. Bob Blair was the tour manager of all things. Which don't hire Bob Blair as a tour manager. Just word of advice. He's entertaining. He's having a lot of fun, but logistically uh, nothing could have gone more off the rails i don't believe that i, um, I refuse to believe you know that. there is a time zone so when you have to be in the east coast a particular place and you're on central time you're cutting your sound check about an hour short uh-huh. but anyway we had we had a really good time but the first one up i uh i i just got on stage and at a outdoor festival thing opening up for the smithereens for the first time playing you know nash's album plus a few of my of my favorite which is all of them urge overkill songs that's cool. I, it's funny. I was, you know, I had Ed here last week from Urge, and I was thinking a lot about that Nash solo album, Debutante. Yeah. Which was a really good album. It was a really good album. And the, the title track, Debutante, had Louise Post yes. of Veruca Salt on backup vocals. That right there, that's a song. Yeah. It was and a great he, tune. And he covered uh, Dirty Work by Steely Dan on yes, that one. Yes, he did. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> Nash Cato aside, the Halloween shows, the goal is to open up Double Door. So that it seems only right that you would open with a Halloween show. Well, the, the plan was is that if it, no matter what the day was, if it was in March, our first show would be Halloween. But it yes. looks like where we're dropping it, Halloween is actually a realistic goal for us to do for real. And the thing would be to do that. And we have some, you know, special guests that have expressed interest in playing. Um, one of which you Fat interviewed nuts. recently. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, Fat Nut's not together anymore. I wonder what happened to those guys. I, I bet Fat Nut would get back together for. The, I bet they would. Yeah, a Halloween but, show, and if you know things keep trucking along in the direction that we think they may be going, it could just get out of control. Like we could be able to pull some really big names and put on a serious whole production for a night or two, right? Yep, um, we will. Uh, building wise. <laughs> Uh, we took a step closer to being able to realize that dream of opening on Halloween. And that is after getting our structural report back. Uh, I'm looking, I'm just like, no, no, and no. So the stuff they wanted us to build and build out, and it's just, you know, we're going to do our big balconies and mezzanines, right? And and, uh, it was a a massive undertaking. It would just add so much time, so much money. And crush the sight lines. And and you know something? It just wasn't cool, and it never felt right. And after getting the structure... This is all new to me. This this is all new new to everybody. This is brand new. This is brand new. This is two days old. And uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I never... You know, those balconies and mezzanines running across the sides never felt right. And I cut that top one in half, right, because I didn't want to feel like a And Let me interrupt you real quick, Pete. What people who are watching or listening may not know, when it comes to the architecture, the build-out, all that, that is your world. Like, like Sean's the guy who, he's the history, he's the, the friend to all Sean, artists. Both of you he's, guys, I can't believe listening to you guys and your knowledge of music and people and bands and albums and songs. It is mind-boggling to me. You guys are really something. I shouldn't even be Well, here. Well, Pete, you are this brilliant, you, you are 
Bob the Builder made manifest. Well, I love designing the big, cool lofts, and that's what I've done for 35 years. I've lived in these giant warehouses and just made them super cool. You well, know? this is what Pete does, just to give a little sense. So he's been installing the second row of heaters so that we are, because with this cold, we, we're in thinking of our next show and, and think, just even the building out, keeping the, the winter workable. Pete's been there, I don't know, he probably, what did you get there, 7 o'clock this morning or something? Eight. Eight. And then, so we, I was to pick him up at 7.30 to meet you here for this wonderful meal at Buena Beef in Skokie. Where Do you I, mean it? Do you mean that it's wonderful? This one is wonderful. Okay. I couldn't tell if you're I being I think this might be the best point I've ever been to. I agree. I, it, the, it was perfect. It's Except accessible. Except for the, them forgetting my hot papers, uh, it really was. Well, I, I, I helped you out with that. Yeah. So anyway, well, I, 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 I pull up at 7.31 in front of the new double door and I call Pete and I could tell he's groggy and he's like going uh, I, had, I had to put it down for a minute I gotta get my shoes on I go get your shoes on and get out of here so it was cold in there so he took the scissors lift put some couch pillows on it and moved the scissor lift up to the heater in the ceiling so he took a nap at 20 some feet in the air on a scissor lift I did That's it, was it was 110 degrees under I was too I woke up just but I woke up thawed out because I was frozen. From well, this is interesting because I've been to your loft, Pete. Yeah. I think you may be part bird. You may be avian <laughs> because you have a similar setup in your loft, like perched above. Oh, yeah, the, the your bed loft up there. Yeah, that that was actually built just to cover, you know, a stairway. And then it's like, why not put a window there and look at my big, beautiful cottonwood tree and but look at may, nature. But he may be Look he at may the be moon and the stars. Uh but no, it's just all about building little spaces out, and you know, and having the big space to do it, um, and this being, you know, purposeful and awesome. Uh, so, but so, what people yeah, we're going to have mezzanines going yeah, from you're front have to that. back uh, on a second level, nine feet above your head, and about fourteen feet, fifteen feet wide. So you do these, be, you know, you could put bars underneath there, and it'd span the whole, you know, front to back of the theater. And it would be really cool if you could make it like old school, ornate steel, like yeah. in the old theaters. But, you know, we don't have the ability to do that, unfortunately. Uh, but after getting the report today, it, you know, I'm just like, this is great. Because there's no way I'm doing what they want me to do, which is pounding through the floor and building all these foundations and with spread footings, which are very difficult to pour. And just a big hassle and money. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, Sean, you got to get over here. Sean comes over. And he read the report, and we're just like, we got to eliminate. We're gonna just we're gonna move these balconies back to the what was the original idea of like basically like opera boxes in the back. Yeah. And the place just stays more open, more cool, and we can try to get it done by Halloween. Well, and I think there's a lesson there for anyone starting their own business, operating their own business. You have to be flexible. You have to allow yourself like. You have to you have to be you able do. to you have to be able to kill sacred cows. Which yeah. is and and you need to have a Pete. Uh, thanks, Sean. You're welcome, Pete. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be even. It's going to be way cooler. And our and our architect came in to sort of explain the bad news, which we already decided was good news. And he said, "You're the best part about it. You're not messing with any of this beautiful stuff that's out there. You're yeah. not going to just you're not going to touch the beauty of this building. You're yeah. going to accent it." So, and it's not going to affect the amount of people we can have. It's just move, it's just re, reassessing where they're going to be. It's incredible. I mean, it will by you know. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, don't t don't use real numbers, Pete. A significant number, but we don't care. No, 
Well, and I think you said it. Walking into this room, it is this classic Chicago building. Having more focus on all the visual interest of this room, yep. I think is a great thing for, for the people who go there. I mean, it's not going to be like the, you know, Aragon or the Riv, and not even close to something like the Uptown. But it's going to be like a junior version with that same feel. And, you know, that's what the whole thing about the Double Door, you know, it's like people say, well, you know, what's in a name? You know, can you recreate that? Like, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be better. Yeah. Like the Vic. It's, it's more Vicish. Okay. I guess well, the you know, they have those so opera awesome. boxes that are kind of mm-hmm. on each it won't side. Be as nice as the Vic. Yeah, well. Yeah. Oh, oh no. yeah. Pete, come on, dude. The don't Vic sell yourself short. Pete, my partner. Those are. <laughs> I, Sean, I I keep it real all the time. You yeah. know that. Uh, I mean, those well, are, you keep it Pete real. Doesn't mean doesn't <laughs> mean it's actual factually real. real. Those real. four beautiful <laughs> opera boxes. Yep. Are we gonna have something like that? No. Those little oh. stairs going up to them. No. Yeah, but the, you couldn't do that today. It wouldn't pass. Right. I know. Code. Yeah, that's, that's why the, the thing. That's why the Vic is so cool. Yeah, I get it. So and, and this, plus Billy Idol, you know, he looked up at me and we gave each other the. Well, that's right. You went to Billy Idol. Yeah, yeah he. I'm. You know, we're hanging right over the edge of the stage, the side of the stage in that opera box at first one. I, that's where I was seat. for Adamant at the Vic. It it's just, the best seat in, in the world. Holy crap! Yeah. And the wait, and I'm like Sean. What do you want to drink? And uh, and I'm getting up to get a drink. All of a sudden, here's a pretty waitress hi guys i'm like whoa well and she came right when i was finishing all three drinks uh right before i finished them there she was thank thank you nick miller is is the story really (laughs) is the story really that you just had an attractive waitress with good timing yes okay and he was close enough that he thought perfect timing that he actually believed that he was Waving at Billy Idol. What are you talking about? You saw it. I did. I totally agree. With I you. mean, I had my. I was doing the, the, you know, the iconic Billy Idol fist yeah. twirl. Yeah. You know, no, just a twirl. Yeah, 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 right. And I'm doing it hanging over the opera box, and the dude looked right up at me, and it's like, oh yeah, starts laughing and gives me the fist, and yeah, you know, me and yeah. Billy, you know, if we meet, we will be bros. I've only seen Billy Idol once, and it was at the UIC Pavilion. It's probably 1986. Whiplash, Whiplash. Smile. Smile. Thank you. Yeah. Not a great album, but I mean, it's Billy Idol. Well, the other thing is, that it was just him and Steve Stevens' acoustic. Oh, right, right. That's... And, and it was they pulled it off. Steve Stevens is such a good guitar player, so it was just one guitar, and Billy Idol singing. And he, the best part, he was telling stories about the time that that he came up, and you know, the whole Mods Rockers thing, and the punk scene and all that so as you got this yeah. history of of London and the the English when you know the punks the kids had nothing and what they found this lifestyle and it was really kind of cool and uh, so you know, he cool. looked great he looked great Steve Stevens looked a little bit like every girl that sits at the bar at Liars Club but uh, <laughs> sorry everybody at Liars Club I, I, I saw many a, 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 a fetching lass no Liars that's Club. true that's absolutely true um, I'm just trying to. It's you know, my sense of humor. Maybe you're looking at Herb. That's realistic. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just being real. You're, you are keeping keep, it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> Why right, so this building. Anything else? You've been having these Sunday sessions. Yes. Since September, where biweekly, you've opened the doors. It's kind of like this informal open house. Like people who've been interested, or maybe friends of Double Door, have been able to walk in, scope out the new new place. And you, you've popped some live bands in there. Good ones. 
really good ones. Holy smokes. Every, every two bands. weeks. Yeah. But it's been kind of fun for people to come in and watch the space evolve. I mean, I've never experienced anything like this to, to be at the ground level of uh, this transformation of a building, the rebirth of a brand. It's pretty cool. And I, I guess the question is, what made you want to be so transparent about the build out and inviting people in. Well, James, I'm going to give a little nod to you. We started bouncing this idea around and it sort of just evolved. RB Green came up, came to me and he said, you know, I'd like to be involved. Maybe we could do this thing where I, I play and, you know, it, it just kind of like the, so RB Green, one of my favorite guitar players who as a result of this, I've now been jamming with on a regular basis. Oh, which, nice. And Larry Beer is one of the best drummers in town. So having a ball with those guys, but it just, it was an idea from, uh, Martin Simic, who is one of Chicago's best rock band poster artists. He did tons and tons of posters for bands at Double Door, Liars Club, Metro, all the jam shows. He's just one of Tom Skillicorn and Martin Simic, probably two best poster artists in town. And uh, so he called and he had an idea. We got started with RB. Then you came in the mix. Pete starts talking. And we're like, well, heck, why don't we just do this thing? We'll buy. Well, I originally said I just wanted a, like a band right. to just play while I was working because I just want to hear live music, <laughs> give somebody a live. Sean's like, that's a good idea, but we're going to take that up about five notches. Yeah, Sean's like, no one wants to listen to bands jam or rehearse. Well, yeah, not, not every day or even every other week. Sometimes. But, you know. If I had my way, no band would play more than 35 minutes. I don't think I'd Thank see you. the good Lord Jesus Christ talk for more than 15 to 20 minutes. Here's my goal for, for when we all emerge from this COVID fog. One headliner, one opening band. Can you commit to that at Double Door? No That's way. It. And I'll tell you why. It's You have to you have to sell enough drinks to pay the rent. And if you have two bands come in, that means they each play 45 minutes, you got an hour and a half music, and you're done. So the, the opening band, nobody's ever there for them, but they get a chance to try out to strut their stuff. And what it does is it keeps people in the room. It's, you know, because it, we are not a nightclub. We are a, we are a venue. So I think this one will... Well, we're like a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are. We are. I mean, not a nightclub, but... You're the Prius. We will have the downstairs venues. lounge, oh, you know, which will fit, you know, 100 people. Yeah, and it's pretty we will have... You know, DJs down there. I plan on having my, you know, 80s Chicago house night there because I grew up just a total house freak from ground zero. And, uh, little you know, Frankie Knuckles and yeah, yeah. Vince yeah, Lawrence I mean, uh, and the, the crew. Yeah, we'll do it all. So, Adonis. It'll be, it'll be a good hybrid. Not what a, else can I think of? <laughs> you're, you're doing pretty good with the name dropping. <laughs> I am, man. Well, let's talk a little bit about that basement area you just mentioned, Pete. Yeah. So, it's this cool. building, the, the main floor, you, you kind of talked about. The, the space and you're not going to do those mezzanines downstairs this after it was a theater it was a bank yep. and there is a giant giant bank vault yes downstairs with a door that looks like it's straight out of like an oceans 11 caper movie that door was like created because of like bonnie and clyde they're yeah, like okay, or we Dillinger, to, or yeah. yeah, right. You know, we need to make something completely impregnable, and uh, yeah, there's no way you could ever get through that door. But as I found out, I got through the side of the door through the cement right next to it fairly right, he's got, easily. He's got that little glory hole next to the. Yeah. Next to the <laughs> well, that'd be King Kong's glory hole, uh, <laughs> but uh, but oh glory! Uh, it it was. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Modern tools, of course, but not really that modern. I mean, a, a saw, a jackhammer, and a torch. But that was like a day, right? It's not like it took you just me three hours, and I got into that 
main vault. But uh, anyway, we're going to open up that and not the entire vault, but the two walls to the side. We'll open up the big vault door. It's six feet high. It weighs probably 18 to 20 tons. Sure. Of solid stainless you, you steel. You can't actually get rid of it. No, you can't. It has you to couldn't be. even if I wanted to, but I don't right. want to, of course. So I'll open that up. It'll be and it's in it's in pristine condition. I mean, it's mint. It's it's a showstopper. The, the outside of it, there. yeah, that's not. I'm just I'll polish that up and it, yeah, it's amazing piece of machinery and engineering. It's just mind boggling, and uh, and so we'll open up that whole vault room. It's a pretty big vault room. It's about uh, maybe 14 feet, uh, maybe 12 feet. Uh, deep and about uh, 40 feet wide so that'll be a whole bar back there oh we'll leave the you know bunch of the we'll figure out something cool to do with all those safe deposit boxes because just having them there is like yeah been there done that but we'll figure out something cool with that and uh and that'll be a whole bar and then there's the forward area there is haven't been in there what do you sean what do you call the uh the uh when you when you can stick a little band there it's called a Oh, the little presidium? The presidium. Presi- presidium? Yeah. Yeah, we've got a little presidium down there in the basement, which is like, what? It's this tapered uh, terracotta, yeah. and it's set back like three feet. It's perfect for yeah, like you can a do, little duet. You, you can know? do all kinds of cool stuff anything. down there. I mean, well, comedian, it, it's anything. Good, it's going to be like we did with the door number three or the dirt room at Double Door, where on a, on a cold February night when there's nobody playing upstairs that's that can fill a room you don't open the upstairs and you open the downstairs and you can do amazing stuff yeah. whether it's and we, we did full bands you don't have to dumb it down in a smaller room because if you think about it the way the drawing show will be about 120 140 down there and by golly that's the uh, i mean that's not that much smaller than say beat kitchen for right. example so or the hideout it's pretty bigger than that so we will be able to do well you know, we used to do fabitat the drag queen show and we did uh, simmer down uh, um, with the reggae thing and we we had residencies in that room that were just incredibly fun all, I'm we're doing all of the above yes we say no to nothing unless it sucks I saw the band streets on fire down in your dirt room Chaddock is the lead singer and uh, man he did this version of uh, of uh, transmission that just got me off my rocker. It was just amazing. That's my favorite, best memory of that downstairs. When we first started talking tonight about the original Double Door in Wicker Park, I mentioned that that location, that venue, the, that that touchstone, kind of transformed Wicker Park culturally. I mean, High Fidelity uh, decided it was cool enough to film there. I really believe. And I don't think this is overly ambitious. I really believe the new space is going to do the same thing for Uptown. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the, the community up there is embracing us for that reason. But back to Jack Black. Oh, Jack Black. <laughs> um, so we did a show. Oh, I'm going to tie in all kinds of things. Right? We did a show on a Valentine's Day, and the headliner was Urge Overkill. And with a do, do all roads lead back to Nash Cato? Is that today it is? Okay. And I haven't given you my King Rozier story yet, but the. Uh, Oh, matter of fact, this is the same night. So they're headlining at a secret show. It was Jack Beck doing um, Tenacious D. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Was the opening act, but nobody was supposed to know that. Oh, I had wow. dinner with Jack Black that night, but the best part about Jack Black is he's he is that guy to an extent. You know, he's not on 10, but he's probably on 7 all the mm-hmm. time. And he came in, he's like, I've seen this place before. And I go, 
Well, there was a movie here filmed <laughs> before we had it, filmed with Patrick Swayze. He goes, Next of Kin. No way. And I go, you're right. He goes, I knew I'd seen this place before. Wow, he, I love that With movie. that one hint, he got it. So he was just like all about the fact, we did a lot of, there were a lot of movies and uh, television shows shot in there over the years and weddings and so forth. But Jack Black was like, I knew it. I knew this was the place. So uh, I don't know if you know, but... Uh, um, uh, the the girl who played the bass player in School of Rock is the daughter of uh, downtown Larry Brown. And so they came in, and it was the first time she'd seen Jack Black since the movie was released. And it was like a little homecoming there, too. Uh, so that said, I'll go back to King Rozier, Ed, who was on stage. And he's, he's a charming fellow, but he can be a crabby fuck. So that usually means he and Nash are fighting. So knowing both those guys for decades, I, I've seen both sides. Anyway, he's crabby, and he's he's up there in doing the sound check, and I was checking out. I probably cocktailed up a little bit because it was going to be a great night, and I, it's a weekend, and I could do that. But he starts bitching. He's like, is there anything about, can you guys fix this fucking sound system? This sound system fucking sucks. And I sit there right in front of me and go, it's good enough for the Rolling Stones. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he came up to me after and was like, dude, you got me. I'm sorry I crabbed on you. And it was. The Rolling Stones did a club show there. That's, I mean, I'm sure you get asked about that all the time. I think I asked you about it recently. What's your takeaway from that night? I mean, it's, it's a one-in-a-kind thing. Yeah. Well, memory yeah there we've had a couple of those you named some at the at the start of this show but the thing about that was i was playing golf in some southern suburb you know and i get a phone call from the office manager saying jam productions called want to know if we would kick the show tomorrow night for motley crew and i'm like sure and then she called back he's like well harry witz is here with uh jerry michelson and and joe shanahan they're walking around you're throwing names out people may not know. Okay, Jerry Michelson owns Jam. Uh, Harry Witz owned a company called DB Sound. He did, and I'm going to tell you about it here, so keep that in mind. He did the sound for Double Door, as a matter of fact, um, which is why it sounds so good. And then uh, Joe Shanahan, who now who owns Metro and G-Man, was my partner at the original Double Door. So we get a phone call. I'm playing golf with our, our third partner, Andy Barrett. And uh, we get the phone call. She calls back shortly. He's like, well, they just showed up, and it's with Harry Witz. Jerry Michelson and I go it's not Motley Crue because <laughs> Harry Witz has nothing to do with Motley Crue Allman Brothers Aerosmith Rolling Stones I go down the list but I know it was not Motley Crue I mean it's going to be the Stones and sure enough we got we got the go ahead they looked at um, the Park West the Metro and Dumbledore as a place to play and their shtick back then I think even until this through this last not the last tour tour before Whatever city they start their tour in, they do a club show, mm -hmm. and uh, they do. They would have done Park West had Dale Niedermeyer still owned it. Oh, good call. Because he was good friends with the Stones. Mm -hmm. And yep, you know what yep. Then. There we go. Uh, any rate, so that anyway, um, <laughs> they were walking around, and I I called it. I'm like that. So at, at about seven o'clock at night, they said, "Can you can you move a show?" And when you own a room. If you're doing business the right way, you when you book a when you book a show and the show confirms, so it's on the books and it's agreed to and the contract signed, you don't change that show. Yeah. And I can tell you that 
I missed a show with Lords. I missed a. Sh- I can go down a list of bands that were a hundred times more interesting than the three shitey bands from Chicago, or good bands from Chicago that were or regional bands that I had to say no to a superstar because we have a deal. Yeah. And you get you get known for that. You're not going to shuffle bands to to make money. You do it because it's right. Yeah. That, that's the long game there. That's the long game. So at any rate, we had three bands. I can't remember the bands. Two locals. It was a strong bill and a band. The headliner was from Minneapolis. So we called them and said. We have to do this, but here's the situation. We're going to rebook the bill next open weekend that you're available. We will, you're going to get paid in full, full guarantee, which as if it was a sellout show, which it would not have been. And so you can take the money or you could come to the show. So the two local bands took, <laughs> came to the show and the, you know, the Minneapolis band passed. I would have driven it. but Oh, my God, yeah. So at any rate, we uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning, my partner Andy Barrett got on a ladder and put on the sign, Rolling Stones Tonight, $7. Oh, my God. And and the rest is history. Then the band was so cool. They catered in. Um, well, what about the tickets? I mean, did they? how did they sell them? We sold the tickets. Each ticket, you had to present an ID, driver's license, address, and everything. And each ticket was, we only sold 270 tickets. The rest were all comp stuff that from the right. band. Um, I was getting faxes from the second faxes. He heard that word faxes from uh, the Secretary of State's office, the governor's <laughs> office, the, the, the mayor's office. I bet. And the you know, funny part, it wasn't any of them, but it was on their stationery. And we're just like handed them off to the, the Stones guys. And they're like, nope, nope. No, this is for fans. Anybody, if they can get on the list, they know us. So the the funny part was, I I snuck in th- three people. Um, well, actually two. The third one we worked out, Liz Fair, and Scott Lucas from Local H. From Local H. I both of them I snuck in, and then Chris Chelios was standing out oh in the back God. on his tippy toes. He's like, Sean, Sean, I've known him. Pete knows him too. It's just he's a good guy. And he's like, Sean, Sean, I, I can't get in. And I'm like, dude. You're Chris Chelios. Why don't you just call Jerry from Jerry? He's like, I fucked up. I was supposed to play a pro-am like, golf, golf tournament, tournament th- today, and I blew it off. So he guess- asked me one time to play, take his place <laughs> in, in like the Butkus golf pro- or pro-am golf tournament of the Chicago Police or something. I, and I didn't, I couldn't, but I wish I did. So Chelius was too sheepish to ask me. No, he, he said, I tried, they won't take my call. Oh, my so God. So I, I go in, I go into, t- I see Jerry, I walk in, Jerry, like, Chelios is outside, he really wants to come, he goes, fuck him. And I go, come on, dude, it's just Chelios, like, fuck him, he blew me off today. And, and he goes, and he goes, just make him sweat for a while. And so I go, wait, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, just wait, wait. And in about 45 minutes or not, this is like in the middle of the day this is an hour yeah. he's standing out there of course everybody's recognizing him and he's like he's feeling like an ass because he can't get in the show sure enough uh jerry goes all right you're in but the best part was this was jordan air bulls too yeah so we got a call a lot of these guys came to see liquid soul every mm-hmm. sunday so we knew them all and my head of security june holden is a triple x uh shirt so we had a whole stack of triple x security double door security shirts and we gave, I think there were four or five of those guys got T-shirts that said Double or Security and got in with their T-shirts. Of the Bulls. Uh, of the like Bulls. The legendary yeah. Jordan-era Bulls. Jordan was not there, but um, there were, I, I know Rodman was one of them, but in the rest they, of the, but it was, yeah, they were there. And I'll tell you something, if everybody who I has told me they were there was actually there, there'd be about 1,500 people For there. For sure. <laughs> I, I was not there. Yeah, I wasn't either. 
but it was uh, it was a magical thing. The band was so so cool. It, you could they are who they are. Charlie Watts stood literally in the basement, you know, in the dirt room there against the wall, and just didn't talk to anybody. Ron Wood was kind of holding court a little bit in one side. I sat at the bar downstairs with Ronnie Wood. He's like, he goes, what's a bloke got to do to get a drink around here? I go, what do you want? <laughs> Gin and tonic. And I get it from him. We sit there. He's like, I want to, you know, Sean, I just want to tell you, of all of the shows we play, anywhere we play, our favorite show is this night when we get to play a room like we started. He goes, this is how we are. So I'm going to tell you, Charlie Watts played his famous Gretsch kit. He was there on that. And uh, Keith Richards and Ronnie Wood played through just Fender combos. One little amp. And Mick Jagger was in our dressing room number three, which is the really shitty one with the nasty couch ring. It's like, it's the, it's the shitty one. It's the one the opening band goes to. He's in there warming up. I do have a copy of their set list because they left it on the copier. But uh, they were so gracious and so cool. And, of course, Daryl Jones, the bass player, is a Chicagoan, mm-hmm. who I took lessons from, as a matter of fact, before he was a stone. Um, but it was just one of those great nights. And afterwards, they, uh, they came in and the vans out front walked in. They stopped on the sidewalk and waved to everybody. And on the way out, they did the same thing. So we'd open the doors up and the, the, the Mounties, the Chicago police uh, mounted patrol was all there keeping but there must have been there were thousands of people on milwaukee sure. avenue just listening it was great it was they you what you realize is that you know those guys are pros but they're also they they respect the fact that they have all these people who love what they do they get it and the rolling stones when they first came to america they wanted to come to chicago yes they wanted to go to chess yes they, chicago was the destination when they were just starting out so i'm sure just the city at large is special to them forget the first night of the tour there's something very meaningful to them well the last time their last show in chicago at soldier field again uh, mick gave a shout out to doubler as the last time they were in town they played you know the last time he played a small club he, yeah, shouted he out. did didn't yes he did. yeah i saw that it, that was a sweltering night yeah. in soldier field i was there for that too yeah so we got amazing. a shout out from mick and interesting enough i was at gene and georgetti's with their entire uh their their agent, their booker, and all these other people, and uh, from uh, what were they? Was it AG or, or Live Nation? I can't remember. Whoever they and it just happened that a friend and friend. So I had dinner with these guys, and it all came up because they're like, "Yeah, that was amazing. It was amazing." So I have a feeling that they went back and reminded Mick. But anyway, I'll take credit for the whole thing. Either they remember because I'm awesome, or because I bugged the people at dinner to remind Mick that he had played there. Yeah, in your experience dealing with artists, big and small. Are the more veteran artists easier to work with? Some are, some aren't. Um, if the tour manager's British, they're going to be awful. <laughs> um, my favorite show, the, the old timers are really difficult. We had Dave and Alan Coe come in the first time he walked in. That's when Kid Rock and he were hanging out. So Kid Rock was there. And he's walking in, and his girlfriend slash wife's carrying his gear. <laughs> two steps behind him he walks in he's such a badass he's got the dead man's hand on his black cowboy both with dac on both he's wearing his black fringe he's got the white hair and like he's just so badass i go mr co it's a pleasure to meet you i'm showing him the owner he's like where's my money i'm like oh we we sent the deposit no 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 that money i got where's my money for tonight it was a saturday night i'm like well we'll we'll settle tonight sold out show but he's like "Uh uh-uh no dough no co and he says, boys, turn around. 
And no I go back way. towards the bus. I'm like, well, give me a minute, give me a minute. I didn't have that kind of cash. We already deposited it from Friday night. So I called Nick Miller from Jam, like, Nick, I'm in trouble, dude. This was not a Jam show. He goes, and I, it was, I don't know, eight grand or 10 grand, I don't know, whatever it was, it was the, the guarantee. Um, and uh, he goes, hang on. And they message over the cash to pay David Allen Coe. David Allen Coe. <laughs> No dough, no, no co. co. <laughs> and it was a fabulous show. Fab. He played the play with us three times. It was like I think everybody wanted every <laughs> perfect country song. Every fucking drunk fraternity boy was there the first time, and they go, "Well, I saw it." So the next two shows were a little less attended. I lost money on the third one, which no, I rarely ever did. No dough, no co. Yeah, that's a good shit. That's yeah, a good. Always story. be wary of people who refer to themselves in the third person. <laughs> All right, we'll let that one go. It's a life. Did room. we order dessert? Yeah. What is? Is it over? Is dinner over? <laughs> I will say that this concludes our shared dining. But <laughs> the Bono menu is vast and it's exciting. They have rainbow cone cake. Mm-hmm. If you like rainbow cone, it's in cake form here. It's fantastic. But I'd like to I'd like to say again how good my sandwich was. I went with these ten inch Italian beef standard. Lightly dipped with hot peppers, with heart, oh, hot jar. Oh, it out. And it was ridiculously good here at the, the Buena in Skokie. Okay. They're Skokie not going to give you another free sandwich if that's what you're angling for. Yeah, well, he's you know. just he's just speaking truth. But maybe it's free. <laughs> I'm chocolate bringing chip the truth. He's speaking <laughs> truth <laughs> to sandwich. Chocolate chip cookies and brownies. All right. There. So as Double Door is getting built out, as you're developing the space in Uptown, targeting Halloween, you are doing these sessions. These, these Sunday sessions where you have bands play. Um, most recently, we had, what was it, Mystery Actions. It was Nathan Graham and Superkick played right before the holidays. I think Nathan Graham, he was unbelievable. He's That's what everyone says yeah. every time he, he plays. Was great. Unbelievable. Every time great. he plays. And such a nice guy. And Mystery Actions was surprisingly good. They, you know, I've seen them, that's the third time, and they are growing as a band mm-hmm. rapidly. I don't that know what we're Drummer doing. girl rips yeah okay, she's Flat great out. Holly she's great but wow so these bands played right before the holidays Danita Sparks from L7 showed up you guys are doing this bi-weekly Double Door podcast kind of chronicling all the all the adventure of putting together this new venue and you had Danita as your guest yep isn't that incredible she's such a cool lady so cool and one of the, I mean, true female rock and roll, and I'm going to take female of it, she's a rock and roll badass. Oh, yeah. Uh, she got yeah. stage presence. She's got everything. And those four girls, I mean, it's almost sad. That band rocks as hard as any band I've ever seen in my life. And they're so fun to watch. We had, we had a really good time talking to her, too. Oh, she's smart. She's funny. She's, she's I mean, she's legend. I mean, she. I, I watched that uh, L7 documentary that's been floating around for a couple of years. It's crazy the shit they did and the stuff they went through. Like, here's a band that, you know, in theory, at the peak of their their powers, they're playing a show in South America with Kiss and Rage Against the Machine, and that's when the label shows up to tell them that they're dropped from the label. Uh, I mean, just the highs and lows that that band has lived through. Yeah. And they're still doing it. They're still doing it. Thank God. Yeah, the good ones keep, you know, if you're good, you can stay going. It, you know, if you're one-hit wonder, nobody's going to care. So in order to still be able to do it, mm-hmm. you still got to bring it and be able to do it. And I think we're going to see a new album soon, too. Amazing. So if people want to hear your chat with Danita or hear you two guys just ongoing talking about the, the rebirth of Double Door, the Double Door podcast is available on Apple. It's available on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, 
etc. Yeah, and we have a link at doubledur.com to everything, both the uh, you know both the YouTube, uh, the film stuff we've done, plus the show we do with you. So you can hit everything from one place. Um, I think we have one more to put up, but I got to talk to your guys about getting that done. Oh yeah, we got. Get your guy, your guys, in touch with my. Guys. I, I, I'm going to do that, and we'll get we'll get some more footage up. And because of the COVID situation right now, we're taking a break until the dust settles and we can follow the rules. Yeah. Because right now, you know, I, I don't really want to have to ask bands, everybody else, to show their vaccine card in this place at this time. Pete and I talked about it. We're just going to wait and see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Right. So if you, you know, I, I always do a. Sh- James will know as soon as anybody in the world knows, and we'll just keep an eye on Double Door, keep an eye on James, keep an eye on you know my Facebook or whatever, and I'll just keep everybody updated. So we're going to do it again, and we've got some great ideas about what to do next. And James has a, a bevy of bands that he's recommending, so he does some shows. We're working together on this, and I've never had so much fun. So that, that's one, of the, one of the best and worst things I've done in the past two months was go on my Facebook and announce the fact that Hey, Double Door is doing this thing. If you if you know a band that might be interested, let oh. me know. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. So well, it's a know. great way for you to. I mean, are you? I mean, you got to be listening to some of these bands. They got to send Always. you tapes and all that. So tapes. What a great source tapes. of music for you to get new music. <laughs> well, no. Tapes. We yeah. What we do is we go back to 1995, <laughs> and I get their press kits in the mail and their cassettes, and I listen to them. No, I I, I love Chicago music. I, I'm being kind of facetious, but it was slightly overwhelming when I did that. I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't expect the response to be hundreds. That's (laughs) great. That's fun. It is good. And you you know know? what? We're going to, if you're in one of those bands, I got to go back. I I try to reach out to everybody. I'm probably a couple weeks behind, but we are interested in everyone. And, you know, don't, don't, don't do a one shot and give up because we're not even open yet. And, uh, you know, Double Door got built on the backs of Chicago musicians, the local bands, the local promoters, and if it weren't for that, Double Door would never get the big bands. It, we, you know, and I just think that you know, you never know who the next Smashing Pumpkins or Veruca Salt or Liz Fair or I mean, you go down or Wilco or you know, go down the list. Pick your kind of music you like, and uh, if if you know, everybody that plays should get a chance to play in front of people in a room that makes them sound good and look good. Hey, I've got an idea. What's your idea, Pete? Um, if we've got all these bands and you've got, you know, you're getting, you know, hundreds of tapes or what do you, well, we'll what are they links. now, Sean? We'll links. links. They just sent us oh, links. Oh, links. Okay. This is a new parlance. It makes me think of beef jerky. Um, why not, you know, we do these shows every other Sunday, which introduces people, you know, to these local bands and they can come in for free and, and, uh, you know, and see these guys play in a very informal setting for 45 minutes. That's perfect. Like you said, nobody should play more than 35 minutes. <laughs> Maybe we start doing, like, listening parties, you know? We get a bunch of couches. We set up the sound system. It'd be, you know, a little higher end. And people can plug in and play their favorite song or play a song from a new band. Or, or James, you know, says, hey, I want to play these songs. And I see the crowd reaction. And just kind of a chill out, you know, just kind of a hangout session, like you know, in the sixties. You can run with that beat if you like to, but listening parties are a hit or miss. Hit or miss. Yeah, I know. Well, but we could hit ours. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not dissing it. I'm, we you know, could. Pete, in brainstorming, there's no such thing as a bad idea. I, I come up with good and bad ones every, every ten minutes. But the fact is, you keep coming up with them, and that's a, that's a wonderful it. thing. Why not give it a shot? I better be All right, cool. so Double Door, ten fifty. Ten fifty. Ten fifty. West Wilson. Wilson. In the Uptown neighborhood, Wilson and Broadway, 
right off Lakeshore Drive, right by the uh, Red Line stop, I mean, literally right across the street from the Red Line stop, which is now a state-of-the-art Red Line stop. Yep, it is. It, it's not scary. It looks like the United Terminal. Million. Yeah. Um, 20, really? Hmm? $22 million to rebuild that one? Might even be more than That's that. That's not a lot for that. I think it might have been. It was federal money, and they, they're doing the whole yeah. whole line, so it, it it's, it's, it's really well done. It is really well done. They took the old stop, restored it, and then on top of it, put all the new stuff. Yeah, it's gorgeous. DoubleDoor.com, DoubleDoor on Facebook, right? Yep. Yeah. DoubleDoor on Facebook to keep up with you. And uh, this is exciting. As someone who has amazing memories of the original location, who has seen the new location, uh, it's just every time I walk in the door just to visit you guys, I'm I'm jacked. I, I, I cannot wait for this to make it to the finish line and start fresh. I think so too. You know, we opened our door. I want to make one little negative thing. I don't want to end on it. So we have to go one thing out of this, but I meant to say it earlier. We, uh, when Pete was doing some of the demo, he probably, I think it was pulled the wall, the floor. We found a bunch of old Chicago newspapers back from 1919. Wow. One of which had the, the white Sox scandal, uh, on the front page. And we had it. It did. Yep, we and, had a late. Uh, it was something. It wasn't the the White Sox scandal. It, it was, was something. It was just a. It was yeah. About it, and, and it was we laid it out so people could see it, and it's gone. Shit. And it wasn't like a White Sox headline. It's still so, a the newspaper Sox, from over a hundred years ago. That's anyway. It was there's 1916. Other... What year was that? Whole that was like 1908 or something. Whatever, it was cool. It you know was what? cool, and it, it was ganked, and that ain't cool. But anyway, the thing is, we'll, we'll, we'll dig through the dust of the other pages and find something cool, or we won't. Yeah. You know, we got, you know what, I, we have so much cool memorabilia from the era, photographs, show posters, everything else. We're going to have a lot of fun decorating this place with the everything you remember about Double Art, the old Double Art, whether and it's you know the what? wall art, the sconces, the, the you know, anything you could think of, I probably have it. And it's in <laughs> well, storage. Pete and I have it in storage. And we should put that out into the world, you know, into the universe that you know yeah we're looking for cool stuff like sconces you know memorabilia whatever people want to donate put their name on it you know donated by joe schmo you know you don't want it to be like the hard rock cafe no not no. like that but it see, would be this, it would be specific to a the double door or that old theater you know which would be pete says he comes up with a new idea every 10 minutes he, he shorted himself by about seven minutes here that's two in a row i'm just looking for free cool stuff that's all <laughs> free, free as always yeah and if it's free i'm in <laughs> yeah you know Food, pete i went cool to the double stuff. door all that stuff i sent over it's not there <laughs> he's got a big he's got a big loft he lives in yeah. <laughs> all right sean mulroney pete bruce Co-owners of Double Door, DoubleDoor.com, Double Door on Facebook. Thanks for doing this on a really cold this night. This was really fun. I mean, your car's warm. We got free food. Bona beef. Bona beef. And we uh, tested negative. We tested negative. Tested we all, negative. We all, I like sitting in the back of the car. I feel like I'm being chauffeured. You, you are. Know? No, we all swabbed our noses beforehand. We're all good to go. Right. I'd say this is a good night. I do too. Rock on and stay safe. Thank you, James Van Nostril. <laughs> How do you walk away with that? <laughs> That's a good ending the right there. The show stops right now.